Hey, welcome everybody to the uh, Bob Screwed Up edition of Legal Tech Week. Uh, I, if, you, if you're here, you saw my email and uh, you were able to re-register and get back in. And it looks like there's, there's at least some people who, who've made it back in. So that's a good thing. Uh, we are now posting, back to posting all of these episodes on YouTube. We were doing that for a while and then we stopped doing it for a while. So uh, if you ever miss an episode, uh, and, and want to catch up on uh, the prior week's uh, episode, you can do that in YouTube. And there, I'll drop the link in the panel for in the uh, chat for people uh, for our YouTube channel there. And plus, we put it out as a podcast as well, so you can always listen to the audio. So uh, that's the good news. Um, so I am Bob Ambrogi, and uh, I am the host of this show. And we've got a, a small panel today, but uh, lots of some interesting stuff to talk about. And uh, we can uh, maybe keep it a little short and let people get off on their uh, long weekends to start their long weekends. But uh, uh, let's uh, introduce ourselves. Jean, you want to kick us off? Hi, I'm Jean O'Grady. I am the um, author and editor of Dewey Be Strategic, and I also write for Legal Tech Hub. What What's this Legal Tech Hub thing? I haven't heard. I don't about. know, Bob. It's subversive. It is. Um, all right, and uh, Joe. Uh, Joe Patrice from Above the Law and Thinking Like a Lawyer podcast. I'm here. Uh, I'm actually on the West Coast, so I'm I'm experiencing the what what Caroline always experiences the this show in a weird time zone. Uh, so I'm you know like in the middle of the day. I I don't know. Like it's this is this is new for me. <laughs> and uh, Zach. Hey everybody, I'm Zach Warren. I'm editor in chief of ALM's Legal Tech News. I'm located in Big Ten country, which these days could be anywhere from New Jersey to L.A., including Joe <laughs> in the West Coast. So, yeah, I'm in Minneapolis, which I guess is kind of dead center of it. Sounds good. Uh, and where on the West Coast are you, Joe? We need to know. I'm in Portland. Um, I'm originally from Portland, so are I'm you? home. I did not Yeah, know so, yeah. Um, yeah, so, well, this was a really interesting week. And I, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about uh, litigation analytics and judge analytics and legal analytics uh, on, on this uh, on this show. Uh, and in some weird sort of uh, karmic convergence, uh, this was a week in which we lost a legal analytics company and gained a legal analytics company, I guess. Um, but uh, I don't know, I think probably all of us, it's in some way or another wrote this week about uh, the uh, really kind of sad news, I think, about Gavalytics uh, shutting down. Um, you know, I, I think uh, all of you on this panel are probably like me in, in that we've all gotten to know some of the people, including Rick Merrill, the CEO and founder there over the years. And, uh, uh, you know, they're, I, 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 I actually went out to their headquarters once when I was out in L.A. and sat and recorded a podcast with them out there. Uh, actually fairly early on, not long after they'd gotten going and followed them closely uh, ever since. It's a, it's a it's an area of legal tech that I am very enthusiastic about and that I find really interesting, the whole idea of litigation analytics. Uh, and they, they seem to, uh, you know, have some have some traction uh, and uh, be one of the one of the primary players in, in this uh, difficult field. But uh, but it didn't happen for them. So I don't know. What do, what do y'all what do y'all think? Well, I mean, their their letter to their customers said it was a fa financing issue, and and you know, a couple of weeks ago, I reported on, I think it was from Artificial Lawyer saying that 
legal tech financing, VC money was contracting. And I saw a second story saying the first half of this year, there was a contraction. So I think it, it was definitely more financing, getting more runway than, than the, the quality of the product, because, you know, it was a very sophisticated product. I mean, and I think part of it, maybe the collapse is also due to a lack of sophistication among consumers because it actually had some very unique content. And now there is a lot of generic analytics out there, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, lots of the big platforms, Lexus and, and Westlaw have some kind of state analytics in them, but none of them did what Gabalytics did. And so I think it is partially the, no, understanding the state analytics market takes a lot of energy. And I think that's that maybe it was hard for them to message how they had an advantage. And, you know, I actually had an experience a couple of years ago where a very sophisticated partner who was like a data scientist actually thought that they had one of the, and he was talking about New York, not California. He thought that they actually had a superior analytics product for New York. But when you look at the competition, and I think also the growth of APIs, I think, uh, you know, other, it, you know, I was thinking originally, maybe it was Lex Machina, but I think more likely it was something like Docket Alarm that could deliver data directly into APIs. So I, I'm, I'd be curious to think what, hear what you all think. Yeah. Yeah, I think it speaks partially too about just how tough state court data in particular is. Like I know Gavalytics and you just mentioned it, Gene, they were very California centric when they rolled up and they had, I don't know, 13 or so state courts that they were really focused on in that state. And then their big expansion was to Florida and picking out individual states. But from the standpoint of VC, it's you're kind of limited in your overall capital and the overall market, I should say, that you can reach out to in that case, because, okay, you have this very specific subset of California lawyers who are in these very specific courts and California or Florida, very specific courts, New York, very specific courts. They're very good at what they did. But if you're looking for that next level of financing, specifically series BC, which is where I think they were, a lot of the investors are going to say, well, you just don't have the amount of available market as some of these other uh, platforms that maybe can go national, maybe are a little bit more surface level in what they do, but more people can use. Um, so I, yeah, kind of echoing Bob's point, it's tough to see them go on a very personal level. I like Rick, I worked with him well, but yeah, it's, it's just a tough one with that market out there right now. Yeah, I, I think um, I think in a way, uh, Zach, you you maybe hit the nail on the head. I think you, well, you both hit hit at this Gene and Zach, but that the state court analytics are kind of a whole other animal than than just doing the Pacer analytics. Uh, I mean, Pacer is a challenge in in and of itself because there's all these problems with the nature of suit codes not necessarily reflecting what the case is about, or with dirty data in Pacer where you know names are misspelled or or lawyers change firms or or the or the the docket data doesn't really reflect who the lawyer is on a case uh and uh uh but um doing you know basically when you're trying to go do the state data you're basically trying to do that 
at least 50 times over uh and, and really more than that because in some states it's, it's you know the variances in the data are, are county to county or court to court um so it, it's it's it ends up being a huge expense uh and i mean that was i think part of the reason that you know way back when when lex machina was kind of happy to get acquired by lexus nexus because lexus nexus had some of that stuff already and and uh just made it easier for them than having to go out and, and collect it all themselves and they're still you know despite advances in in the technology and 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 in ai there's still a lot of human effort that goes into this uh cleaning cleaning and compiling this data so it, that makes it very expensive um so i don't know it's it's challenge um you I know, had, Bob, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, you reminded me that the other company that got a was Ravel. And I thought Ravel was another terrific standalone analytics company that also just couldn't get financing, but they got bought. You know, they got bought by Lexus and they have now been rolled into, I think it's called Cont. I can't remember what it's even called, but they're rolled into Lexus. Context, like Machina. Yeah, content, is it, yeah, is it context? I, I forget. I forget what it's called. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and then what's the other, uh, I mean, what's the way I'm trying to think what trellis is a trellis is the other one that's doing the state court analytics yep. and, and yeah. they've been able to raise some money uh, and they seem again to be, uh, getting some, uh, some traction going for, for what they're doing. Yeah. Um, you know. I was wondering that cause I, I looked it up as I was writing the Gavalytics and I think it was a 14 million raise that they had last year. That's what I was just trying to find. Yeah. But maybe but, a little bit of a different market. Yeah. Trellis, is, Trellis has almost had more of a KM approach where they are putting the full text documents. And I think they have a second, they're not just selling analytics, they're selling access to uh, work product. So I think that was another way in which they distinguished themselves in the market. Yeah. Although uh, Gavalytics was doing some of that. I mean, they had like briefs, they had a brief bank up yeah. and stuff like that. Um, you know, you, you hear so many things uh, when when there's news like this. I mean, it was also kind of, I guess, there's no good way to announce that your company is closing down. I mean, it, you know, it it was uh, it's it's a sad thing for the founder, uh, and you know, I, I think we we're probably all we probably all got more or less the same email, uh, uh, and and uh, pretty uh, concise uh, message, not not saying a lot of details about it. Um, I, you know, but you do start hearing lots of rumors, and and, and one of the rumors I'd, I'd heard was that, was that they had had some opportunities, and this is purely rumor. I, I can't substantiate this, but that they had had some opportunities uh, to be to uh, be acquired um, over the last year that that they uh, maybe had still been fielding or had maybe turned down. I don't know uh, if if any of that's true, but uh, you would think that there's got to be something there that somebody would want to pick up. Uh, at least out of the out of the ashes, if you will, of of of, of the company, because they've must have developed some pretty good tech there, and there must be something they can. Do. Yeah, and they had a patent. I wrote a post about how they had gotten a patent on their visualization tool, which I think I don't know of many other small companies that had that. 
Yeah. I, I think there might be more to this story. You mentioned your story, Bob, and I heard the same thing off the record from Rick that like, just we'll talk late next week, essentially. Yeah. And yeah. there's a long story yeah. there. So um, we, we were kicking around. Do we want to do a follow up to this right away? But I think we're going to be waiting until after we talk to Rick and see what's up there. Yeah. And, and I chalked part of that off just to the idea that he was just, you know, not wanting to talk about it right now. Yeah. Right, shell shocked. Not a good week. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, but um, oddly enough, <laughs> in the same week in which Gavalytics uh, shuts down, we have uh, another legal analytics company spring up. Uh, so Zach, you covered you covered that. We did, yeah. So the name of the company is Predicta. Um, and essentially what they are there, they're federal, not state, but they're looking to make specific predictions, particularly right now on whether a case will proceed or dismiss, but they also have uh, predictions for summary judgment as well as other things in development. Um, essentially, I found it really interesting because, I mean, as we were just talking about, we've seen a lot of these tools that take past case law and kind of shuffle it up, slice and dice. And even if tools like Gavalytics or Trellis or Lex Machina don't make specific pr predictions, they give you a lot on past cases and kind of get toe up to that line without giving a specific figure on it. Um, Predicta not only gives you a specific uh, figure on it and gives you a specific day count that they think estimated it will take, but they are taking in a lot of external demographic type information as well. Like net worth of the judge is one thing, um, whether oh, wow. they were um, promoted for, by a Democratic or Republican uh, president, uh, their geographic location in the country, even gender. Um, and their political affiliation on, where they went yeah. to law school. So whether they went to law school is another one. So folding in a lot of different information there to try and give this prediction. Um, and I, I talked with them um, and yeah, it, it looked like a, a quick product. It's browser based. Basically you just go in, plug in a case number and it will spit out its prediction right away. Um, but also just kind of all the data points that they're putting in behind the scenes, I found very interesting. Um, so developed by a former litigator, uh, Department of Defense, Sidley Austin was GC of a data science company as well, which kind of gave them the idea. Um, I will be very curious to see how they develop it from here. So, so Zach, does it allow you to do like scenario planning? Like if you switch judges, you switch courts, you can sort of see how the the uh, prediction changes? Yeah, they do. I got the impression it was a little bit rudimentary on that okay. front, more so than like if all the variables are in there. But mm -hmm. he did give me the scenario of they're going to plaintiff's firms and saying, hey, if you're forum shopping or something like that, you can plug in the rest <laughs> of these variables. And this is what your chances of dismissal might look like in X versus mm -hmm. Y. Yeah, I, I got a, I had a demo today. I hadn't had a chance to write it up yet, but I just finally saw it this morning. And uh, I asked, I'd asked the same question too. And yeah, that's, you can, you can go in and you can plug in some sort of basic information about uh, who the plaintiff is, who the defendant is, the nature of the case, um, a few other variables, and then get predictions sort of across all federal courts and then by specific federal courts. And then within specific federal courts by specific judges within those courts. So you can do that much. Um, 
But yeah, I thought it was a really, really cool product also. I mean, it, as, as you said, Zach, it's at this point, it's only predicting the outcomes of motions to dismiss and, and they do want to add other stuff. And speak of the devil, they want to go into state courts too, is the other thing you said. They're, gonna, they're working on California, New York, and Texas, I think you said uh, already. Um, but, you know, th this idea of bringing into the consideration all this other stuff about a judge that traditional litigation analytics doesn't account for, you know, so, so if, you know, if one of your lawyers went to the same law school as this judge, how does that affect your, your likelihood of succeeding or not uh, on this motion to dismiss before this judge? Uh, and, and it's, it's sort of like the, you know, in a way it's a, a little, I don't know if it's a dirty little secret, and certainly the Supreme Court has has uh, proven this week that the judges uh, are not uh, don't have the kind of impartiality and objectivity we all like to think they have. But I think if, if you talk to a lot of judges, they'll always say, "Oh, you know, it doesn't matter to me if the lawyer went to my law school, or if you know the lawyer worked at a firm I used to work at, or if they're Republican or or not." I mean, those things just don't matter to me. But we all know that they do, and we all know that they play into it. And so here's a tool that's really putting pulling that all together uh, in a way that's really interesting. Um, yeah. So one one other point, just on that before. I, well, go ahead, and I'll make my other point. Oh, I was just going to say to that point. I mean, I asked that question too. Like, do you, are you expecting pushback from judges on this if they think that you're bringing in all this information and it's not just pure impartial? And he kind of tried to flip it and made the point that said no, because we're looking at them as human beings. And as human beings, there are so many variables that come into your decision making. So I'm not just looking at this like, oh, the my IP case, I'm a defendant, let's go to Republican jurisdiction. There are more uh, variables that are going to be into that. So even if that's one thing that's weighted, there is much more at play here. Yeah. The only thing I was going to say is what happens if what happens uh, with the brand new judge? A judge has just gone on the bench. Uh, maybe they maybe they've decided one or two motions to dismiss, but but you don't have ten years of data or whatever on that judge. He said it barely affects the accuracy of their prediction because he said what they're actually able to do is is they've got so many different data points that they're analyzing that if they if they draw a full composite picture of this judge using all those different data points, it's still going to be, he said, like he said, their standard accuracy is something like 87% correct in predicting. And it goes down to maybe three, three points from that if, if it's a, a brand new judge. So, you know, I mean, who knows? We, 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 none of us have actually tried it, but it, it certainly looks impressive. And, uh, uh, Everything is they've kind of vague on is the pricing uh, here. They're going. It's a monthly SaaS subscription, and you know. And I said, well, how much? <laughs> you know, could a small firm afford this, or do you have to be Sidley, where this guy used to work, to to afford it? Uh, and he said, well, you know, if you think about the value, how much value there is, and you know, <laughs> knowing how a million dollar case is going to turn out, then you know, uh, you know, you can appreciate the it's, it's worth paying some money for these kind of analytics or something. So I don't. It, Sounds expensive. <laughs> but do they give you a refund if they're wrong? <laughs> <laughs> there you, that now there you go. That would be good. Um, yeah, and somebody in the chat asked, I wonder if it's more or less accurate for particular types of cases. And I that I I don't know. Uh, he did say that they try and adjust 
they, they do try and clean up like the, the nature of suit issue we were talking about before for Pacer that because nature of suit often doesn't really reflect what the case is actually about, that they are that they are they actually are taking the yeah. yeah, or sometimes it might just say I mean, sometimes you might get a case that says trademark where the real issue is a patent issue or something or, right. or something like that, you know. Yeah. Um, and but he said they are they're downloading the documents, the litigation documents as well, and trying to do text analysis to try and correct for that. Yeah. And similarly, I, I he told me that 87 percent is with all variables in there as well. But I don't know how that varies across different case types. Yeah. It would also be interesting to know how many of the judges they have 100 percent of the variables for, because that variable would affect the variables. Right. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. And. I think I, I, I asked him that question. I'm not sure I got a clear answer, except again, his point, the, the answer was sort of similar to what he said about the new judges, which is that they have so many data points that if you're missing some of them for a particular judge, you're still going to get a pretty accurate. Although he also wouldn't, I don't know if he did this with you, Zach, but he, he said he wouldn't give me the full list of the data points that they're, they're looking at because that's proprietary to what they're doing. So. Yeah, I didn't ask. Yeah. Um, so... Well, interesting. And that's uh, uh, something that takes it. And he also says he's the only one that really does prediction. Uh, I mean, the, you look, when you look at the other ones, they show you like historic, as you said earlier, Zach, they show you historical results. Like this judge, you know, rules against plaintiffs in 97% of motions to dismiss or something, but it doesn't say how it, the judge is going to rule in your specific case. And I was trying to remember, I thought there was somebody else out there that did some predictions that I couldn't think of who it was. But. I, the some... only product I can think of is Blue Jay, but that's in the tax regulatory area. Right, they do right. it based on scenarios and they'll predict outcomes, but I, I can't, I, I agree with you. I'm trying to rack my brain to see if there is somebody else who did judge prediction. The name is escaping me. There is a startup out of, I think, Australia that did it in a very specific subset. And I want to say personal injury, um, but I'm not 100% sure I'd have to look that up. But yeah. on a large scale across all types of cases, I don't think I've seen any other. Yeah. Uh, good. Um, I think it, I think it's Joe's turn to talk because he hasn't. This is an unusually long length of silence for Joe, so I'm, I'm worried. I about know. Um, no, <laughs> that, that's that, that's fair. I, um, I mean, I'm worried about me too. Uh, so, yeah, no. So my uh, my thing this week, uh, I I love my reports and studies, and we got one out of Ironclad talking about um, you know using their wealth of contracts that they kind of have in the system. They were discussing some trends they saw, and uh, the big—I mean, there were a lot of trends in in that they isolated. But the one that I found most interesting was the real dramatic increase in the turnaround time for contracts, uh, at least within their system. Now, obviously, there's a little bit of self-selection there to the extent that people using this product probably are more savvy legal departments than others, but. It had gone over the course of the pandemic, something like from 16 days uh, at the average turnaround time to six. Uh, that's pretty extreme over the course of a couple of years. Uh, it also taught they also were noting that a lot of this uh, comes from 
new collaboration tools that people were using both internally as opposed to you know the classic way for transactional lawyers out there the classic way of trying to keep straight 400 different emails with one knit on each different one and integrating them all into one document uh instead having a tool that allows everyone to work at the same time in one place but with you know protection so that you don't screw it up uh and not just internally they were also reporting that there were a lot of third party uh involvement or well, not third party second party at least third party with it as between legal and enterprise as in bringing in the counterparties on some of these too directly through this kind of protected system, start making their edits there so everyone is seeing it all in the same place, uh, which would definitely speed up the process too. So I thought it was interesting, especially when we hear you know, that uh, we talked in the past, I, I talked about the Onnit report, I think a while back, uh, talking about how legal is getting bypassed by enterprise employees a lot who just don't want to have to deal with how slow and inefficient legal is. Uh, the fact that, you know, there's reason to believe legal is actually getting super fast is valuable and suggests that things may be changing. That is all on that. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's an interesting one. And for me, it kind of just brings to mind a question, uh, how much of this is technology and how much of this is just people understanding things and changing their workflows under the pandemic. Um, I'm sure Ironclad would tell you that the technology is what actually facilitates all of that. You can't have anything without the technology. But I do think that there's an element of just people understanding a little bit more what they have and what they can use and getting comfortable with, say, using collaboration tools and collaborating in a different way that maybe they weren't forced into before the pandemic. Um, so it, it definitely, the I think you said 16 to six days, is definitely a high, high uh, change in turnaround time. But I can't say it particularly surprises me just because I think that digital transformation is really something that's starting to take a hold. Yeah. Um, yeah, I put a link to Joe's article. I don't know if that is your, does your article have a link to the actual study in it, Joe? I, for, I forget whether it, I didn't notice if it did or not. But. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I do, yeah. uh, to, yeah. to go. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. It, it, it's a link to where you go to sign up, to get the, all that sort of thing, you know, right. Right. Cause it's all about those signups. Um, that's the only reason they do these studies is to get your email address. Um, but uh yeah no it is interesting and, and you know let's sort of like zach suggests there's so many there are potentially so many variables that kind of go into this but it it, it certainly does seem that uh, you know legal departments have gotten a lot savvier over the last few years in general about using tech or just even understanding workflows and how to be more efficient around some of these workflows and working better with the other components of, of the corporation that are part of this, the sales team or, or whatever else it is. And, you know, I mean, until until pretty recently, it's all been managed uh, through Outlook, you know, and, and Excel and, and uh, things that, that weren't very efficient in terms of tracking the status of contracts and, and what was going on with them. So, um, but, you know, I was, I was thinking when I was thinking about this report, I was thinking maybe one excuse could even just be people working from home because 
you know, the, the two hour, three hours of the day that they were spending uh, commuting before, they're now maybe putting in a few more hours <laughs> on the job and getting a little bit more done every day. I don't know. But uh, I, I think it's, I certainly do think, I like to think anyway, the technology is a good chunk of why this is getting more efficient. All right. Uh, I don't have any good transition to what Gene's, Gene's other story. Gene, I know you wrote about Gavlytics, but you had another story this week. Uh, yeah, there was a, a Lex, Lexus or the, it's the Council Link released a study. This is going to be shocking. Partner rates continued to rise and consolidation of law firms continued. Uh, and the thing that, you know, I guess no, I found. say it's not so. Seriously, seriously. Oh. Again, they do want your, they do want you to sign up and give them your email address to get it. I think the thing that made this one different from their 13 other ones was that it now is also looking at partner rates in selected countries. So it's not just U.S. There actually is some information, which often is very hard to find. Um, but I, the, I guess the thing that shocked me was the the use of AFAs is still, you know, it's growing, but like it grows by a hair's breadth every year. And I think the statistic was that 14.8% of matters had at least a portion of billing under an alternative arrangement, but it was only 9.6% of all billings. And how long have we been talking about this? Yeah. You know, the sort of amazing. Hour is dead. You but heard? you know, I mean, it made me sort of curious about what we're going to see next year now that things are going to contracting. I'm, I, I was much more interested in seeing next year's report because now that associate, uh, you know, associates are being paid so much more and remote work is going to continue. And I guess I, I wonder if this is going to end up with it, like this focuses on in-house in counsel. So I guess I wonder, are in-house counsel going to start pushing back in new ways against the ever increasing rates? You know, like in terms of why, how do you justify those associate salaries? And are, do you really need all that real estate now that everybody's remote and I'm going to pass those savings on to me? Why am I feeling cynical about clients pushing back and the the demise of the billable hour and all those yeah. other things? Because we've been talking about it for 20 years? More than 20 years. I can attest to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, particularly from the in-house standpoint, like that, that was the argument, even with the rise of legal ops of, oh, legal departments are going to be more efficient and they have a mandate from internally to uh, try and get those cost gains wherever they can. So it's not only going to be an internal thing for them, but an external thing. And you started to maybe see a little bit of that where they were paring down some of their panel firms, but on an individual basis of how much they're getting charged. I, I don't know, surveys like these keep popping up that kind of show me that not too much seems to be changing. Yeah. Um, well, since we have some time, I'll bring, <laughs> I'll bring up another story I did this week, which I, I thought was really interesting, uh, which is uh, that this, this new legal research service that launched called Decisis, um, which if you go to their website and hunt around and you can go through and read all the different terms of service and everything else on their website, nowhere will it tell you that this company was launched by LexisNexis uh, or its parent, R-E-L-X, do they say relax? How do they pronounce it? I don't relics. Know. Relics. I relics. Okay, relics. Yeah. Uh, 
or its parent company, which it was. Uh, yet, uh, if you happen to go check the corporate records, you see that Jeff Pfeiffer is the president of this uh, company, and a whole, and the general counsel of Relics is the secretary of this company. And uh, um, uh, you know, it's. It, I mean, you would think if you're going to launch a legal research company in your LexisNexis, you might want to tout that connection. I know that's interesting. <laughs> but so no. I'm. I'm I'm a little confused at the name Decisis. Is that some like legal term? Because <laughs> it used to be. It's, it's an outmoded. My understanding one. of the last ten days is it is not a legal term anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Starry, starry decisis. S T A R R Y. I think is starry eyed decisis. Something like that. Um, but so, but what? So what's interesting is so they're they're going after the bar association business. Uh, and they've picked up a couple of bars. Uh, was it Ohio and North Dakota, or was it, or no, Nebraska? Ohio and Nebraska. Uh, and this comes, of course, in the year that follows Fast Case acquiring Casemaker and suddenly kind of cornering that entire market. I mean, that's for, what I'm thinking too. Yeah. yeah. So for a brief time, uh, you know, these these were both the two states that this site has gotten so far were case maker states that went over too fast case because they had no choice at that point. Um, but uh, that they uh, then uh, somebody approached them uh, and, and it's funny if you go to the Ohio state, they talk about the RELX and, and LexisNexis connection, even though it's nowhere on the, the, the company's website. Um, but so it looks like LexisNexis is, you know, trying to take back the casemaker share of, of this market. Uh, although they're also targeting, they say on their website, one and two lawyer firms, but you can't find anything about pricing or or anything else on their website. It's it's a very weird little thing. And I've tried to reach Jeff Pfeiffer. I've emailed him several times and uh, several and some other people at LexisNexis as well, and nobody nobody got back to me. Interesting, interesting. But I talked to the people at the Ohio bar and the Nebraska bar, and uh, well, you know, Lexus was born in Ohio, so maybe it that's, grew it out of the Ohio bar. Oh, bar, oh, bar. Yeah. That's what yeah. it was called. Exactly, exactly. No, and and they've and they've tried to do sort of bar focused stuff in in the past. This isn't the first time, but yeah, the original Lexus grew out of the Ohio State Bar Association uh, as we know it today. So. Um, but uh, again, I, I was more intrigued by the mystery uh, around it all. And, and maybe there's some good story. I don't know. But uh, I, I mean, it does seem to me like I mean, Fast Case being a private company and being they've sort of been in their own world. And it does in some ways make sense that Lexus would try and I mean, if I were if I were Lexus and Westlaw, I actually would be nervous about Fast Case because they are building up quietly so many different pieces of what they need to to compete directly, and they are so much cheaper. I I I think that's interesting. I I, I guess it's it almost surprises me that it took someone so long to try and compete with Fast Case. Yeah, well, I, I think because people were kind of happy to sit back and watch Casemaker and Fastcase duel it out, you know, for, for so long. And um, 
and also they're I think they're also kind of going after case text and maybe some other products too. But if you Google case text or fast case, you're going to find ads for Decisis uh, popping up. And uh, oh, you know, Bob, did you see the most recent comment? It says they make a direct comparison to fast case and case text. So is it providing a research? service or is it providing a database i guess i i wasn't clear on what they were providing no, it's a legal research platform it's a it's a little mini lexus or something yeah oh you know i actually when i first saw your headline i thought they were going into the do the research for you business no 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 it's it's a research okay. server it's a it's a legal oh. research platform uh so they are trying to so apparently they they actually state on their website that they are competing with fast case and case text yeah I don't even remember if I saw that, but I must have seen that. But yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, well, they talk about, they do, they talk a lot about their citator. They say they have a best-in-class citator called Intersight, which is better than FastCase citator. Um, and uh, yeah, so that will be interesting to see what happens. Um Anybody else? Anything else they want to talk about? Otherwise, we might have to uh, we might have to uh, run off to the beach. Early. We'll run off to the beach early. We don't want to do that, do we? Um, no beaches in Minnesota, but uh, well, there's there's lakes. There's lakes. I'm actually headed to the Delaware beaches next weekend, though. Uh, it's my mom's birthday, so I'll be flying in. Oh, Great. yeah. You might good. see my son down there. Oh, nice. As well as Gene. Yeah, I won't be here next weekend. I'm here this weekend. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> uh and uh joe we'll see you around portland and uh yeah i'll be back i'll be back in new york by next week so yeah, yeah. Good. all right uh all right well i think uh, if that is it then everybody have a great fourth and uh see you back here next friday and uh hopefully i won't screw up the webinar again next week so see you then see y'all bye everybody happy fourth <laughs>